0: You're listening to a podcast of Business News Background, a weekly roundup of the big stories here in Western Australia. Brought to you by Business News and Lush Digital. Welcome to another edition of Business News Background. I'm James Lush. With us today, Mark Byer, the editor of the newspaper, also Dan Wilkie, one of the journalists who's put. Uh, one of the serious reports on construction in next week's paper. I'm going to start with this week, though, in particular, a couple of the stories that have caught our attention, Mark, and uh, the Senate wash-up in particular, and and the new-look Senate, and how that affects business in the West. Your take?
1: Yep. Well, look, the outcome was a a little different from what I'd expected and and some other people. Um, The Greens and Palmer United both did very well. Um, And the two major parties, uh, the Liberals and Labor, both suffered a big fall in their vote. Um, So a lot of um, navel-gazing by them, and for Labor in particular, a lot of infighting. Hmm. And it continues. Um, There's this recurring pattern. Labor has a a bad result in an election, and they all say, we've got to reform the party, we've got to change the system, we've got to reduce the influence of the unions but nothing much really changes. And then yesterday was the latest installment, um, United Voice, the big left-wing union, which actually did a deal so that Joe Bullock would be number one on the Senate ticket, came out and said, Joe Bullock, a very conservative right-winger, should resign, which he, of course, rejected. So look, it's a pretty sad old situation. um, And I think we'll continue to ensure that that labor struggles to win electoral support if they keep on fighting amongst themselves interesting isn't
0: it that it showed that uh, there is real uh, we've fallen out of love with the major parties and these days there is much more of uh, a focus on all sorts of different parties coming from every side of the fence what what is going on with the public because at the moment that they're obviously totally disillusioned with with politics in the way that we used to know it
1: yeah, well look, um, as I say, the Greens have benefited. Um, Scott Ludlam was someone who I think struck a chord with many people. Um, he's the, uh, the sensible end of the Greens party. Um, but the other one that did very well was Clive Palmer. Now, that had more to do with a saturation advertising campaign mm. and pushing his profile. Um, here we are, almost a week later, um, Clive Palmer and uh, Senator-elect Dio Wang have not said anything meaningful about policy. So that's- Yeah, a,
0: hasn't said anything full stop, I think. That's about <laughs> right,
1: yeah. So look, there's a very big, um, yeah, effectively they've got balance of power in the Senate and it's really hard to know which way they're going to turn.
0: What does it mean for business? I mean, in, you know, it, uh, there'll be a lot of major business looking at potentially several more years of indecision. Is, is that that's how right. you'd see t- it? That's right. Because,
1: I mean, while on the one hand, Clive Palmer has said he opposes the carbon tax and the mining tax, his support for abolishing them is highly conditional. You know, for instance, he wants abolition of the carbon tax to be retrospective, which would send a big check back into his own business. So all sorts of issues there. So look, sadly, I think uh, there's going to be a a difficult period um, where there's no clear control of the Senate. um, And you've got to an, an unpredictable maverick, like Clive Palmer, yes. who effectively has balance of power.
0: Yeah, which again is very frustrating from an Australian perspective, because for the last, well, you know, just under 10 years, we've been living in limbo in many ways, well, maybe not 10 years, but you know, at least five or six years, we've been in that can't make a decision mode.
1: Yeah, and look, you know, one of the, the strengths of the Australian political system is that typically governments, while there are some checks and balances, um, We typically have governments that have a a mandate and can go out and do things. And when you've got this period where you've got, uh, you're reliant on on minor parties to get legislation through, it makes it very difficult. And yes, the certainty that everybody craves, uh, it looks like it will not be delivered over the next few years
0: leads us quite nicely into another story of this week and, and the markets. And you'd think, you know, with all this uncertainty, the markets would be uh, a little unsure of what they're doing. And yet, when you look at the markets, the market figures, in particular, for sort of Australian strength, seems to be going from strength to strength,
1: which has been a big surprise to everyone. Um, look, only a couple of weeks ago, we were talking about um, the iron ore price going down to about one hundred and four dollars US. And there were predictions that it would keep on going, uh, that the Chinese economy was weakening, their demand for steel and iron ore was going down. And yet, it's bounced back. It's back around 120 US dollars. Um, Nobody predicted that. Um, The other one that surprised us all is the Aussie dollar. Um, That had been uh, going south, um, back up above 94 cents. Um, Once again, nobody predicted that. So if you're wanting certainty in the markets, you're not getting yeah. it at the moment.
0: Well, I'm just thinking about all these banking experts that you know they read the markets, that tell us where everything's going, and you know everyone's been predicting at an Aussie dollar of something between 80 and 85, <laughs> and now suddenly we're sitting at 94. Uh, where does it go from here?
1: Well, look, the latest thing that gave it a kick-along was the unemployment stats out this week. So there was actually a fall in the unemployment rate, nationally and in WA. In fact, there was a very big fall in Western Australia, and... Um, I think people should understand that the unemployment stats are just a rough approximation. You know, there's this misunderstanding, I think, that somebody actually goes out Mm, there and counts mm. all the unemployed. Well, there's no such thing. It's just a a survey sample. Um, So it's a very volatile series. Um, Fact is, though, the numbers fell, the unemployment rate fell last month. That's added to a view that, uh, well, maybe the Australian economy is ticking along okay. Therefore, the Reserve Bank might have to lift interest rates sooner rather than later. That's put a, um, you know, helped to bolster the Aussie dollar. Um, so look, you know, hard to be sure. I know the Reserve Bank had been very keen to push down the Aussie dollar to make Australian industry more competitive. Yes. Yeah. Um, and certainly that that's helping you know, manufacturing and other businesses across the country. So there'll be a lot of concern in policy circles yeah. in both Canberra and the Reserve Bank about that strength in the dollar.
0: Is there something long-term here, Mark? I was just thinking, you know, after, you know, GFC struck um, uh, and, you know, for the sort of 6 months period, Australia sort of wobbled and then sorted itself out and off it went. a bit like, you know, in the last few months, Australia has been going through that, oh, maybe we're not all about mining after all, we need to adjust. And is that wobble now starting to st- stabilise and we're going into this next phase, which is all about again, more robustness, more diversification, and, and hence why, potentially, these markets are reflecting that?
1: Well, I think if that change were to occur more fully, it requires a lower Aussie dollar. So, in a sense, the strength of the dollar is going to Hold hinder hinder that adjustment in the economy at large. So, yeah, look, it's, it's very difficult, and it just shows that any business out there um, needs to have some Um, flexibility to adapt to changing markets Um, if you you build your business around a lower dollar for instance um, you're in serious trouble Sure
0: Uh, You're listening to Business News Background our weekly podcast looking at the big stories uh, of the week and also looking at some of the stories uh, for next week I'm James Lush from Lush Digital Let's uh, talk about another couple of stories just quickly from this week before we talk about the big story on construction which Dan Wilkie has written for, for next week First of all, the APO conference was on this week, uh, at which our premier spoke and um, was fairly critical, fairly grumpy, I suppose you could say.
1: That's right. Yeah, look, it's the big gathering of the oil and gas industry. There was about 3,500 delegates at the convention centre. Um, So that says something about the scale of the industry. Uh, Lots of people from overseas were in town. Um, And yeah, one of the big talking points was uh, the premier's very critical address um, at the opening of the conference. Um, he effectively told the industry they're out of touch with the community, um, that they're failing to engage properly with government. Um, one of his memorable lines was, stop reading those American management books um, and uh, you know, wake up to where you are, you're in Australia. You need to deal with governments here and you need to understand communities here. So look, it's an industry that's been through a very rapid growth period and that's continuing. And I think that's one of the issues that they've got. You know, Their costs have gone up as a result. Um, there's a lot of tension, particularly on the East Coast uh, with farming and green mm. groups. Mm. Um, we've seen a bit of that up at Broome where the James Price Point development um, was earmarked. Um, so he's told them to just sort of take a look at themselves um, and, and just be a bit more responsive to the community in which they operate
0: okay and just uh, one other story which is i, I thought the the, the again the, the fiona stanley commissioning and looking at the, the the spending on that and the health department certainly not coming out of that with uh, gold stars all over it the way that it's potentially wasted a lot of money
1: yep look there was a parliamentary inquiry this week uh which looked at issues with the commissioning of fiona stanley hospital i mean a two billion dollar project um so that was the construction cost um, but longer term there'll be even bigger costs in operation of the hospital. Um, There's been delays there of about six months, primarily around the failure to get all the IT systems up and running, which are needed to make the hospital work properly. Mm -hmm. Um, And one of the rare things is typically when you get a parliamentary inquiry, um, you get a majority report from people on one side of politics, and you get a dissenting report from people on the other side of politics. This was a rare example of where there was a unanimous report from people across the spectrum, highly critical of the health department in particular, um, and saying they failed to do their homework, they failed to plan properly, um, and the costs, extra cost yeah. is going to run into the hundreds of millions of dollars. Mm.
0: Links quite nicely into our story about the building of hospitals and stadiums and new be- museums and city centres, uh, a feature. In next week's paper, which comes out on Monday, Dan Wilkie has uh, constructed on the subject of construction. Dan, it, it is interesting, where, wherever you look in Perth and the surrounds, there is building going on everywhere, and major building at that, isn't it?
2: Mm, it's After a bit of a lull last year, it's interesting, interesting to see that it's been a bit of a city of cranes again. You yeah. can see them dotted across the skyline. But it's not just confined to the CBD, you've got the big projects out in Nedlands, that's the biggest project at at the moment, the Children's Hospital, $1.17 billion job. You've got the airport expansion, you've got Midland Health Campus.
0: You've got it all, It's basically it's all happening. It isn't, it's amazing how how much is going on, and I, I can't imagine a, a Perth that doesn't have building going on, I and mean, a lot of people say the same. Uh, imagine a Wellington Street that didn't have uh, roadworks going on, for example. Uh, but what about the competitiveness? What about the, the fact that there are so many builders chasing these, uh, mm. the, these contracts?
2: Yeah, there is a lot of work out there, but the reality is there's a lot of builders as well. So that means tight margins and a lot of competition. I mean, every major builder I spoke to over the past couple of weeks that said the same thing. There's a lot of work, but there's a lot of guys chasing it. So that's the biggest challenge is to be able to differentiate themselves from the other builders, make themselves stand out. Um, And they say that they do that through having a good track record good track record on safety good track record sticking to budget mm. and a good track record sticking to the t-
0: construction timetables as well when you see some of the building work going on there's a lot of different names on all the different projects isn't it it's not as though there's just one or all of them so obviously that they're all good in certain respects
2: yeah there's a good deal of specialisation out there, um, especially if you have a look at the smaller builders as well, the sort of mid-tier sector. Um, they're finding the the people that are chasing the schools work and the rec centres work. While one example is Perkins Builders. They've got a really specialised aquatic centre um, subsidiary called Commercial Aquatics Australia and they're basically, I think, they're known in the industry as sort of the experts across Australia for building these recreation centres and they'll, they'll build... Olympic size indoor pools up to Olympic set specifications, and that's something that's really given them an advantage. And they're even winning work, that subsidiary, with other construction companies, like Esselman Cochrane, like Pindan. So they're able to win work on their own behalf as Perkins, and also do work for other companies. So that's given them an advantage in the, the
0: competitive area that it is now. So did you sense that there was enough work to go around, but um, you know, whilst they may be doing a lot, that their margins aren't as great as they were?
2: Um, at the moment, um, there's, a lot of work coming up for the major builders. Uh, You mentioned the new stadium, the new museum, Uh, Perth Airport's got a lot of work to go out there. Um, We've got Elizabeth Quay coming up, we've got a massive hotel development pipeline coming through, there's a lot of apartment projects going up. It's at the mid-tier sector where it's a little bit murky. The the state government's expected to pull back on the budget. A lot of these mid-tier builders, schools work and government works, that's their bread and butter. If that gets pulled back a bit, you're gonna have a lot less work and a lot more competition. So they're gonna all be looking for the private sector jobs and there isn't that much around there for the the mid-tier builders. It's really hard to get a commercial project uh, off the ground at the moment, especially if you don't have an anchor
0: tenant already lined up. Ah, Yes, of course, and that's a major thing. And you look at a lot of these big office builds that are going on and you think, well, I see for lease signs everywhere. So when these come online, it's only gonna increase, but you're saying that these wouldn't be going ahead unless there was an anchor tenant taking a, a vast proportion of that building.
2: No, the, there's not a lot of speculative building at the moment. The banks won't lend on it unless there's actually a tenant lined up. That's why you, before um, the Elizabeth Key announcement came out that they are going to build an office tower, they had to line up Chevron first. Mervac, they wouldn't have been able to build the office tower at the old Treasury Building if the state government wasn't going to put all their Justice Department in there. And that, that's, that's the reality for commercial builders and commercial construction. You won't get an office project off the ground without that anchor tenant.
0: Interesting.
2: Are you going to say something Mark?
1: Yeah, look, I think, James, what's going to be the the follow-on from this is that once these new buildings are completed, the tenants move into them, it's the people that own the existing buildings, the ones that are getting a bit tired.
0: Yes, they're not as sexy, are they?
1: They're going to have to spend a bit of money to refurbish and upgrade their buildings if they want to lure people back into them. Yeah. So that's where the, the competitive pressure and, and is going to And that's a really come. good
0: point. I mean, We've talked as well about you know property prices, we've talked about rental prices, commercial rent. There's a lot that is for lease at the moment for obvious reasons. As all this comes online, there is going to be even more. Some of these uh, owners are going to have to change their prices, aren't they?
1: They are, <laughs> it's, it's already happening yeah. and there's going to be more of that pressure. Yeah. And the other thing that's affecting the market is that a lot of space in Perth had been filled by project teams, the, the engineering teams who are working on the big mining projects and the big oil and gas projects. Yeah. Um, there's a lot less people doing that kind of work now. Um, in, in fact, it's interesting to look at the different sort of phases of these projects. Um, the engineers in Perth that do the design work, there's very little of that, but if you go up north, there's still a lot of construction happening. Yes. But it's all coming towards the end. Um, so, if you look at the big iron ore expansions, um, that's starting to come to the end. If you look at the oil and gas projects, still a lot going on, but that's going to start tapering off over the next couple of years. Yes. So that's also gives you a backdrop for construction activity here in in the metro area, in terms of you know supply of labour, um, you know scaffolding people, crane hire people, all those associated trades. Yeah, They're all doing pretty well at the moment yes. because it's busy in the metro area, it's busy up in the Pilbara. Um, the challenge for them is going to be one, two, three years down the track.
0: Yes, indeed. And, and Dan, just a final word on this construction piece. Did Did you sense that the, the, the mood was buoyant? Were they fairly optimistic or was it a little bit gloomy?
2: No, I'd say it was definitely optimistic. I mean, I was surprised because there was a bit of a lull last year Um, and when we did this feature last year, the mood was completely different, they were sort of, they were wondering where the next cycle of construction was going to come from, but this year it's sort of, you've got the hotel renaissance and you've got a lot of apartment projects taking up the slack from the lack of commercial projects going ahead, so I'd say that the mood is optimistic, there's a massive pipeline coming up, so they're confident but expecting a lot of
0: competition interesting many thanks Dan Wilkie and also to Mark Byer Mm -hmm. editor of Business News that's it for another edition of Business News Background we'll have another one for you same time next week you've been listening to a podcast of Business News Background brought to you by Business News and Lush Digital for more information go to the website businessnews.com.au